Welcome to the Parkcast series, episode 58, part 2. Adolescent Parents Practice Recommendations. The Parkcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archive. This particle will discuss how practitioners can support adolescent parents and their children by focusing on preventing pregnancy, increasing the educational attainment of adolescent parents, and improving parenting skills. There are many social and environmental factors that impact the outcomes of adolescent parents and their children. To support the well-being of adolescent parents and their children, practitioners should focus on preventing pregnancy and repeat pregnancies, increasing the educational attainment of adolescent parents, and improving their parenting skills. However, teen parents, and particularly teen mothers, face stigmatizing stereotypes that can marginalize them and make it more difficult to access necessary supports. Practitioners working with teen parents need to be aware of the effects of stigmatization on teens' willingness to engage in services and should respond in a non-judgmental and supportive way, advocating on behalf of teens for the resources that any other parent might receive. Preventing pregnancy in teens. The first step in teen pregnancy is prevention. Adolescent pregnancy results in educational and social disparities between parenting teens and non-parenting teens. Social and behavioral interventions can narrow these disparities but have not yet managed to eliminate them. To support prevention, workers should reduce placement instability and the frequent changes in caregivers, workers, and schools, which can impair relationship development, reduce access to information and contraceptive resources, and increase the risk of unprotected or transactional sex among youth living in out-of-home care. Provide information on consent, healthy relationships, and safe sex to youth to mitigate the disruption in learning from placement instability. Ensure youth have access to a healthcare professional that can help them access the contraception method that is right for them. Once a teenager gives birth, it is important to provide ongoing support regarding contraception as a large proportion of teen mothers will experience a rapid repeat pregnancy, which is the second pregnancy within 12 to 24 months of the first. About 35% of teen parents will have a second child within 24 months of their first. Teen parents who do not start with a reversible, long-acting contraception with it after their first pregnancy are five times more likely to experience a rapid repeat pregnancy as those who begin a long-acting contraception. Previous research has also found that community or country-level initiatives aimed at decreasing teen pregnancy rates have successfully decreased primary teen pregnancy but have not had any impact on decreasing repeat pregnancies. These results suggest that teens who experience an initial pregnancy remain at risk for subsequent pregnancies and require targeted interventions to ensure following a contraceptive plan. Targeted interventions that are comprehensive and include a team of service providers, including physicians, nurses, social workers, nutritionists, psychologists, and access to free contraceptives, have been found to decrease the rate of repeat pregnancies to less than 1%. Such targeted interventions include not only the teen mothers, but also any interested family members, which is important given the centrality of supportive familial relationships in teen mothers' contraceptive decision-making. Any attempts to prevent subsequent pregnancy must occur as soon as possible. In a study that tracked first-time adolescent mothers for two years, found that teen mothers who did not begin any contraception before leaving the hospital postpartum were 2.5 times more likely to experience a rapid repeat pregnancy. However, those who began a long-acting reversible contraceptive within eight weeks of delivery were eight times less likely to experience a rapid repeat pregnancy. 
Teens hold many misconceptions about contraception effectiveness, particularly long-acting reversible contraceptives, which can contribute to repeat pregnancies. While this can be an uncomfortable topic to discuss, service providers need to speak frankly with teens about their contraception intentions and address any misconceptions as soon as possible after giving the first birth. The success of interventions aimed at reducing repeat pregnancies in teens is impacted by the lack of accessible contraceptive programs in remote or disadvantaged communities and the complexity of social factors that underlie the decision-making to prevent future pregnancy. Identifying at-risk teen mothers. In order to provide the most beneficial services, practitioners need to assess teen mothers' needs. One tool available for identifying teen mothers who might require additional support is the Parenting Responsibility and Emotional Preparedness, PREP, screening tool. Lancy, Ramey, and Bert in 2012 developed and tested this three-item tool using a multi-site prospective cohort design, meaning the teen mothers were followed for two years and found that the tool was able to predict mother-child interactions at 4, 8, and 18 months, and child outcomes at 24 months. The items are, 1. Now that you are pregnant, are there some new areas in which you are accepting responsibility or you want to become responsible in? 2. I am uncertain about whether I can provide emotional support to my children. 3. I feel uncertain about my ability to do a good job raising my children. Having any level of risk, scores 1 to 3, was associated with more adverse child outcomes at 2 years on the child's internalizing behaviors and cognitive development. Mothers without any risks had significantly better home environments for infants and developmentally appropriate responsiveness to their infants. Promoting Adolescent Parents' Mental Health Teen mothers are at particularly high risk for negative mental health outcomes, which can impair their ability to parent effectively. As outlined in the first part of this series, poverty and childhood trauma are interwoven in the lived experience of many teen parents. These cumulative stress experiences create long-lasting impacts on teen parents' mental health and development, but tend to receive little attention from service providers. Some of the other factors that impact teen parents' mental health include their relationships with family and friends, availability of social supports, feelings of hopelessness and helplessness, and lack of treatment availability. The lack of attention given to teen mothers' mental health is concerning due to the relationship between teen mothers' depressive symptoms and their decreased sense of parenting ability, as well as an increased reliance on harsh parenting techniques. Prenatal home visits versus routine care that feature in-office only or educational materials have been found to be associated with mental health improvements in teen mothers. These findings are from a rigorous study comparing findings of multiple effectiveness studies, It was a meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. These results are promising and suggest that continuing home visiting after the baby's birth might be an additional way of ensuring that teen mother's mental health needs are met during a time when they might have difficulty leaving the house for in-office appointments and services. Therapeutic groups have also been found to decrease maternal distress and improve mental health outcomes. Support groups can provide not only mental health services, but also a form of socializing for young parents who might find themselves disconnected from their regular social relationships. The involvement of fathers can also mediate the relationship between maternal depression and child outcomes. Researchers in 2015 found that the involvement of fathers, especially those who provided child support, was associated with lower levels of maternal depression, which was in turn associated with decreased infant distress. 
These findings suggest that substantial and caregiving support provided by teen fathers should be encouraged in cases where there is no history of dating or intimate partner violence. There are several models on how service providers can promote co-parenting among teen parents in existence. For instance, the Strong Foundation program is adapted from an adult program to be developmentally and culturally relevant to teen parents. This program was specifically designed for youth living in urban areas with low incomes. Such interventions could play an important role in child outcomes, as co-parenting conflict in teen parents is associated with behavioral problems and lower child social skills. Protective Factors for Pregnant and Parenting Teens There are several protective factors with regards to pregnant and parenting teens, reducing the risk of negative outcomes. Workers can promote these protective factors by improving teens' parents' sense of optimism. Optimism about the future is related not only to teen parents' own educational outcomes, but also to the educational outcomes of their children, as well as a lower risk of experiencing a rapid repeat pregnancy. Building problem-solving skills and relational skills. Teen parents are faced with new and challenging situations daily. Increasing their ability to deal with these challenging situations can reduce the risk of negative responses such as harsh parenting or child abuse. Continuing access to education and schooling. Teen parents are at risk of dropping out of school. Ensuring teen parents have the resources, such as childcare, to remain in school not only improves their academic outcomes, but also their parenting capacity. The presence of a caring adult. A positive relationship with a caregiver or other adult, such as a neighbor, counselor, or child welfare worker, is an important source of material, social, and emotional support for teen parents. Promote positive peer relations. Peers, including intimate partners, friends, and colleagues, can provide social support for teen parents, reducing the risk of depression and repeat pregnancy. Assist with the maintenance of positive relationships by teaching relationship and communication skills and teaching teens to recognize the difference between positive, caring relationships and potentially harmful relationships. The importance of education and parenting skills. Teen parents do not typically have the same level of education as adult mothers. They have questions or concerns about parenting that service providers might consider to be common knowledge. One area of concern for teen mothers that might be overlooked is facts and myths related to breastfeeding. For instance, adolescents report being concerned about the mechanics of breastfeeding, that breastfeeding hurts or causes sagging breasts, or breastfeeding might impact their independence. Given the importance of breastfeeding in fostering mother-child attachment and infant growth, especially for teen mothers who are at higher risk of delivering preterm or low birth weight infants, Ensuring teens are aware of facts related to breastfeeding is crucial. Accurate information needs to be presented in a non-judgmental way that takes the teen's concerns and questions seriously. These conversations might need to be repeated. Previous research has found that teen parents have very poor health literacy and that any gains in knowledge immediately after receiving health-related information can be lost within two weeks. Furthermore, teens are more likely to take advantage of peers or relatives over that of health professionals making frequent follow-up and outreach to other members of the family, with permission of the teen, is an important component of service delivery to adolescent parents. One important note related to breastfeeding. It is not possible or advisable for all mothers and babies. Some mothers, especially adolescent mothers or mothers experiencing poverty, have poor diets that require nutritional supplementation to prevent permanent reduced bone density as a result of breastfeeding. As well, teen mothers tend to produce less milk than adult mothers, which might not be enough to meet the nutritional requirements of the baby. Teen mothers should engage in frequent consultation with their healthcare providers on their diet, breastfeeding, and any concerns they might have to ensure that both mother and baby are healthy. 
Educational initiatives to increase teens' parenting capacity are also important in decreasing the risk of harsh parenting practice and child abuse. Teen parents who consistently attend parenting programs are better able to deal with parenting challenges and to respond to their children in a non-abusive, developmentally appropriate way. One such program begins prenatally, teaching adolescent parents about what they can expect during delivery and how they can prepare for their baby's arrival. After the baby's birth, programs are offered to both adolescent fathers and mothers, educating them on their child's developmental needs and associated parenting strategies, while also addressing any medical issues, including immunizations. Evaluations of this program have found that those who received the program had fewer child abuse reports, had more well-baby visits, higher rates of immunization, and earlier referral to for developmental delays than adolescent mothers who did not attend this program. However, teen mothers' involvement with the program was hampered by family violence, challenges traveling to the program, and unstable income and family support. These results indicate that while parenting intervention programs are promising, simply referring teens to program is insufficient. The resources must be in place to support teens' attendance to these programs. Protecting teen mothers from violence. Focus groups with teen mothers who have experienced intimate partner violence note that there are several areas requiring prevention and intervention strategies that would help females experiencing intimate partner violence. Development of interpersonal relationship skills for both abusers and survivors. Viewing caregivers as role models. Seeing parents as teachers and learning from parents. Emulate positive relationships for the teen. Have conversations early and often about healthy and unhealthy relationships. As children begin dating between 10 and 13 years of age and need these skills before entering relationships. Establish boundaries and age-appropriate supervision of teens. Consider the role of social media and technology in abuse. Stalking and control through social media are a new issue not experienced by previous generations. Abusers can control their victims through the threat of revenge pornography, monitoring their victims, and can use the social media to damage victims' reputations and to create social isolation. Promoting developmental outcomes for children and teen parents. Given that the long-term academic disadvantage of children born to teen parents, programs that combine parent education with early childhood development and education can be important tools in promoting the outcomes of teen parents and their children. Beginning with prenatal and infant programs, these programs are usually free or subsidized for teen parents in Canada. For Canadian First Nations and Métis and Inuit families, some cities offer Aboriginal Head Start, which provides culturally specific program for children aged 3 to 5 and their parents. Facilitating the relationship between parents and their caregivers, if present, is also important. There is a significant correlation between teen mothers who experience positive relationships with their own mother and their empathy towards their children. Individuals with positive relationships with their fathers also have better mental health outcomes. These findings are important as teen parents are more likely to experience depressive symptoms compared to adult parents. Depressive symptoms in teens are associated with substance and alcohol abuse and harsh parenting by teens. If the teen's parents are not available, other forms of social support should be developed. Grandparents, the partner's family, and other positive role models can be an important form of social support. Social support is associated with decreased depressive symptoms in teen mothers, even when controlling for income and other instrumental support. For teens who experience suboptimal parenting in particular, positive parenting role models are crucial. Challenges of working with adolescent parents. As with any high-risk group, adolescent parents can be difficult to reach, might not attend scheduled appointments, and might not take advantage of the referrals offered by service providers. There are several steps practitioners can take to increase teen parents' engagement in services. One, 
Use non-traditional forms of contacting teen parents. Texting, messaging apps, email, social media platforms, and others are more frequently used by teens than phone calls. Check with teens what form of communication they're most likely to use and check often and contact them through their chosen platform. Young parents face practical challenges to attending appointments, including lack of childcare, lack of knowledge of why certain appointments are necessary, lack of transportation, and other reasons. Help teens put in place the supports necessary to address these challenges. This practical support could include helping teens find reliable childcare, arranging for transportation to appointments, sending a reminder about the appointment the day before, and educating teens on the purpose and importance of each appointment. Where possible, minimize the traveling requirements for teen parents. Have home or school-based appointments for teens so that they are not required to spend additional time traveling or finding childcare. Schedule appointments on evenings and weekends to prevent teens from missing school. Teens might also be overwhelmed with the challenges they are facing, including lack of sleep, disruption of social life, poor mental health, and others. Social and practical support through parenting support programs can help address these teens' social needs and connect them to the necessary mental health services. Non-traditional forms of communication could also be employed to help teens connect with services easily, including online support groups, online or telephone counseling services, and other related services. Balancing the needs of the teen parent with the needs of the child. Adolescent parents living in out-of-home care can experience a dual relationship with child welfare services. Not only are they a child in need of protection, but they may also be a parent of a child in need of protection. In these situations, it is crucial to remember that teen parents' lack of independent living skills or parenting skills might make them at risk of committing child abuse or neglect and are also the responsibility of the child welfare agency. This dual focus re requires recognizing not only the rights of the teen as a parent, but also the responsibility of the child protection agency to the teen and the custodial caregiver of a minor. Due to their minor status, teen parents might 1. be judged as unfit parents by the courts based solely on their age, and 2. not receive the same due process considerations as adults. These quick processes not only penalize teen parents for their age, but their minor status also makes it more difficult for them to challenge court decisions. Child welfare services must not only ensure that teens are connected to the resources necessary to become good parents, but that teens have the practical resources necessary to financially care for their children and finish their own education. Furthermore, teen pregnancy and foster care might make foster placements or permanency plans no longer appropriate. Steps must be taken to quickly ensure that the needs of the pregnant teen and her baby are addressed by a new permanency plan. Temporary out-of-home placements for teen mothers and their babies can create a disruptive environment that makes it difficult for new mothers to feel settled and allow them to engage and attach with their babies. Teenage fathers' rights in out-of-home care are even more vague and do not tend to receive the same level of attention. Teen fathers tend to be thought of as an afterthought. Caseworkers, child advocates, and lawyers, as well as the child youth and youth workers, have a responsibility to ensure that teen parents in the foster care system have the opportunity and resources necessary to become successful parents. What organizations can do? Collect data on the number of pregnant and parenting youth in the organization. Without accurate information on the population and its needs, it is difficult to know the extent of program gaps and service requirements. Evaluate the service needs and outcomes of teen parents within the organization and community. Organizations should know what services are available to teen parents, whether teen parents are taking advantage of these services, and whether these services are actually helping the teens and their parents achieve positive social, emotional, academic, and financial outcomes.
You have been listening to the Partcast series, episode 58, part 2, Adolescent Parents, Practice Recommendations. The Partcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a Canadian membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about this episode's topic or other episodes in the Partcast series, please visit www.partcanada.org.